1: This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcast blogs and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more.
0: Hey friends, welcome back to the show. My name's Effie Parks, and this is Once Upon a Gene Podcast, where every story revolves around the very thing that makes us unique, our genes. Anyways, today we're diving deep into the heart of family conferences. And we're getting some hot tips, some do's, some don'ts, and maybe some creative ideas from five remarkable disease foundations. So whether you're pretty seasoned in helping to get these things off the ground or if you're a little less experienced and you need to know about the ins and outs of all of this heavy lifting that it takes to have these meaningful conferences for our families to educate and to have that much needed connection with each other. I hope you get some great ideas from them and learn something new. There's a couple episodes in a row for your patient advocacy org. So also make sure to take a look at the last episode, episode 200 with my CTNB1 friend, Lindsay Stevens. Uh, She breaks down some very digestible ideas on fundraising for the families. So please make sure to share that with your patient advocacy orgs to take a little bit of the daunting stress of continuously putting on events and asking for money and how to kind of scale it. So make sure you check out that episode. Anyways, we're going to dive in and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Please keep me posted and feel free to reach out to any of these remarkable women. If you have any questions moving further in planning your patient advocacy Conference. Here's a story from Melissa Hioko from STX BP1.
2: Hi, this is Melissa Hioko with the STX BP1 Foundation. Here are our do's and don'ts and lessons learned from our previous conferences Do offer a hospitality room, a family hospitality room, don't provide childcare. In our lessons learned, we found that this was a huge liability for our organization, and there were a lot of things that were very difficult in providing childcare. So we have opted not to provide childcare but provide a family hospitality room. In that family hospitality room, we broadcast the conference so that parents can stay involved even when they're in the room with their child. Another do is do provide sibling spaces and make them feel special. We call our siblings super sibs and we provide super sib social opportunities for them throughout the conference, as well as a special gift for each of the siblings. This last year, the siblings had an amazing time together, and it was so wonderful to see. Do not do a plated dinner. Do the buffet. As far as the conference is concerned, we learned our lesson on that one. A plated dinner, even though it is less expensive, is so difficult logistics wise. And even though you're paying a little bit more for the buffet, it's totally worth it. And do a kid's buffet. That's something that we have asked for in our past conferences. And they have always replied and been able to provide a kid's buffet. It's been amazing. The kids feel super special, especially the siblings. And we really try to get some kid-friendly food in that kid's buffet because a lot of times the meals, uh, the buffets for the adults aren't always so kid-friendly. Do ask for discounts on everything. Remember, you are a 501c3 nonprofit. Make sure you're asking for discounts on everything. Do not accept the first cost that they give you. Try to lower the cost as much as you can don't use the hotel's av company most of the time they use a company that charges an arm and a leg and because they're giving part of that back to the hotel find a reputable av company that is local or fairly local that can provide you with a much lower rate for your av needs for your for your conference also get recommendations get recommendations from local families from other nonprofits that have worked in that area, ask them of who they used. Do ask for sponsorships. Ask for sponsorships from anybody, everybody. Create sponsorship tiers that you would like from your, from your sponsors and just start putting the word out. You will be surprised at the sponsorships you can get. And even better, from those sponsors, from those partners, your possibly new partners Ask them if they can contribute something to give to put into the participant bags. Can they give a giveaway item that you can give to your families? And that will help to provide something special to your families. And also, then it's giving them some recognition as well. The partners giving some recognition as well. Do provide one-on-one genetic counseling at no cost to your families. This has been an amazing resource at our last two conferences. We have filled up every appointment and we have had wonderful volunteer genetic counselors who have gone out of their way to come to the conference and to sit down with each and every family and really discuss the genetic report of their child or of their loved one. This has been a huge resource. Do provide families with the opportunity to meet with researchers. Provide social opportunities for families and researchers to meet during your conference. Let it be an open time where researchers and families can can freely talk, can meet each other in a social environment. This is hugely impactful for both the families and the researchers. This has been an amazing thing, especially for our researchers who go away or take away from our conference some amazing new relationships with families and it makes their work that much more impactful for them. Do hold your conference at an event center that includes a hotel. This is really important for children or family members who have special needs where they might need to be changed. They might need a private area for eating or just to rest. And so this gives them the opportunity to come and go from the conference as they need to and be able to take care of those things. Do see if the city or the state has any incentive programs that provide funding for nonprofits to hold events in their city or state. Do have your conference where the patients could potentially be seen at a clinic nearby. There's so much more I could say on this topic, but feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to chat. Here's a story from Trish
3: Flanagan from HNRNPH2. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk to your listeners about a topic that we feel really good about over at the Yellow Brick Road Project. Um, We've been hosting family meetings since 2018. I think they are just getting better and better and um, nothing would make me happier than to share some of the do's and don'ts to keep in mind as groups start planning to host their own family meetings for rare disease. Okay, so first, at our family meetings, it's really important for us to bring the families and patients that are affected by a rare disease together with one another, but also to connect them to researchers. There's this symbiotic relationship that we love and respect. We have organized so that we can drive research forward in most cases. And so in order to do that, We have to bring these two groups together. So the first big do would be to invite both affected patients and families and the researchers who are carrying out studies into the rare disease uh, that the organization is focused on. The interaction between them is absolutely critical. One thing that I would say to keep in mind is that the beautiful rare patients and their families who are at the meeting are the real VIPs. They even have a slight edge on the most prestigious researcher you have invited. The patients are why we exist. And as far as we're concerned, their safety, their comfort, and their happiness always come first and above everything else when we are planning a meeting. Okay, another do is to poll your community. Why would we take a shot in the dark? We ask our families directly about their preferred geographical location for the meeting, the dates for the meeting that work best, and we even ask them about what topics for discussion groups they'd like to be a part of. This is important because it gives the community the clear message that your organization is responsive to what it is that they want the meeting to be about. Okay, next do... Do give the speakers that you'd like to attend and present at the conference plenty of lead-up time so that they are able to say yes to attend your conference. I would say as l- at least three and as many as six months or even more will just show that you respect their busy schedules a- and it will result in making it easier for them to say yes to your invitation. You really need to stay on top of them, communicate with them about the details of the conference so that they can prepare. They may have to, you know, book their hotel accommodations by a certain date. All of that has to be outlined very clearly for them, you know, so that they can meet your expectations and keep you on the timelines that, that uh, you know, your planning team has established. Okay, another do take on site tours of the venues that you're that are being considered it it's very very important to make sure that the space that you're going to lock in to have your event at will accommodate the patients and families for us for example a space with a lot of elevators or steps or narrow meeting rooms would be a no go okay now i can move to a few of the don'ts to keep in mind don't Be vague with your families about the expense attending the meeting will mean for them. State what the organization will and will not be able to provide. This goes for the researchers that you're inviting to. I don't know what your budget is, but there are some things that we can cover, some things that we can't. Uh, We try to find a balance. Just be sure to include the price of the room in your room block, which is hopefully discounted, and any of the associated service fees and taxes that, that will also be involved there. Let them know which meals will and won't be provided for them. Okay, another don't, this is really important, I think that the research team that you'll be inviting to your event will do the very best they can, but I don't think that they know the families quite the way that the organization, the patient advocacy group does. I would definitely stay involved, be involved, if not take over all of the scheduling of assessments that will take place at your event. Your input will be very valuable in making sure that a family isn't perhaps lined up to get an EEG and then blood work back to back. You know, we would probably say, let's spread that out. Again, we're always keeping the family and the patient at the center of things. So be involved in the scheduling of assessments. Okay, and the last don't, if you have someone who speaks a foreign language, you really should be thinking about how to accommodate them. If you have, uh, but by, by maybe um, hiring an interpreter uh, for them, uh, the same goes for uh, any any guests that will be attending the meeting that have mobility issues. Recently, we had an amazing event at at the beach, and so we rented several wheelchair uh, beach beach wheelchairs. They can run along the sand a lot more easily than an actual wheelchair or a stroller ever could, but, but you have to keep the people who you're there for at the center of it all. That's the biggest takeaway. I really appreciate the opportunity and please anyone who would like to be in touch, uh, feel free to reach out and um,
4: we, we are very happy to share. Here's a story from Amy Fenton Parker from BDSRA. I'm honored to speak about the Annual Family Conference for the Batten Disease Support Research Advocacy Foundation. While we took a hiatus from in-person conferences in 2020 and 2021, we brought back a hybrid conference last year and then again this year. I'm happy to share what we've learned and hope to give others some helpful nuggets. To give a little background, our conferences average between 300 to 400 people. This depends on the location, and we know that if we stick to the central time zone, our attendance is best. For us, the help of professional conference planners is essential. Our staff is too small to do our day-to-day work and spend the year planning for a conference this big. I find their expertise invaluable, and if you aren't currently using a professional team, please consider it and how you can work it into your budget. You might even find that they save you money. The most important thing that we've learned is that our conference is really a family reunion with a little bit of conference on the side. (laughs) Our families really want to connect with each other, so we tried to build time in that for our schedule. We offer a family reunion reception the night before the conference starts with simple snacks for our weary travelers, and we also host a party. Typically, a pool is involved for the sibs to get to know one another, and meet up with old friends and make new ones at the same time. Next year, we hope to offer an activity for the adult sibs specifically. It's always been a more informal gathering on the night before the conference starts, so we want to be more intentional moving forward. We also scheduled time for breakout sessions separate for the moms, the dads, and we added grandparents and other caregivers last year. That group, tripled in size this year, so we will be continuing that in the future. Technology is a huge investment, so make sure that you work well with the crew and have a group willing to make suggestions and use everything available to make your conference dynamic. The other thing I learned this year is that you don't always have to use the company your hotel recommends. Our conference planners were able to schedule a group that they've worked with in the past And not only was uh, the company fabulous to work with, but their quote also saved us about 14% over the hotel's recommended group. Pick your music, record as much as you can, use slides, don't be afraid to have virtual speakers, live stream what makes sense. Our virtual registration dropped significantly this year, so we'll be taking a hard look at that investment for next year. We also invested in an app when the conference went virtual, and while it quadrupled in expense, it has grown greatly in popularity. It's also a great opportunity for our conference planners to push out news, updated schedules, for us to provide acknowledgements and advertising for our sponsors. And we can drop all the recorded sessions in there for our families to watch at their, for their convenience for an entire year. New this year, we even had scientists submit like a three minute thesis. And uh, we invited our community to watch them through the app and then vote for their favorites. And so that was a lot of fun and a success. Everybody complains about the food, so just accept that it's going to be the most expensive piece of the contract, provided that you meet your contracted nights. night, and somebody's just not gonna care for it. However, this year, our hotel offered complimentary, fabulous breakfasts, and it was wonderful. Our families started the day off well-nourished without having to rush to feed everyone and to make sure that they got to their first session on time. Our families got to visit, and they also served as great advocates for bat and disease to the other hotel guests. While we won't always be able to find a hotel that fits all of our needs, offering a breakfast buffet is something that we are definitely considering instead of dinner meals. In order to save money this year, we opted to skip one of the dinners, and no one complained, but we got rave reviews about those breakfasts. Child care for little ones and affected children is extremely important. In the past, we had a combination of hired nurses and dedicated volunteers, and the pandemic created a shortage of nurses and the volunteer shrank to just a handful. So we opted to hire professional child care providers to complement our experienced volunteers. We learned that we need to publicize this offering more widely to our parents. We need to explain that it's free, what is offered by the trained professionals, and that it's not just babysitting services, and that there is a quiet room for rest and movies. We had a fabulous ratio of providers to children this year, and I don't see that going backward. I would suggest that if you go this route, read your contracts well to be sure that you get everything you need. And then at the end, make sure that you got everything that was promised. Take advantage of the talent in the area. We were blessed to have well-respected music therapy program in the area and a volunteer-run pet therapy group. This saved us time and money. We found a local therapist for grief who was so well-liked that many asked to have her back and having now served our group she wants to come back so don't be afraid to ask your community for professional support in areas of need either some of our best speakers are also our parents if you don't have a well-rounded committee to help with the planning create one our committee is comprised of virtual participants bereaved parents adult sibs grandparents, and actively caring parents. Not only do they volunteer to voice their ideas, but they also volunteer to do what's needed on the fly at the conference. They created centerpieces this year, they helped us consider programming, and they helped us pick out the food in the selection process. The committee can be as active as your staff needs them to be from one year to the next. I would also suggest to utilize your board they are great resources for finding speakers, including themselves. They can be pulled into action at a moment's notice, talking to a grieving parent, giving house notes at the podium. They can do speaker introductions. They can moderate for a panel, and they even can help with the program planning. So give them something to do. That's why they're there for you. I would also suggest that you publicize publicize, publicize. Um, rope in first-time attendees, long-time attendees, speakers, board members, sub-leaders, and more to give testimonials about why they attend, what they like most, what they do while they're there, anything you can think of that will entice your community to join you. You can record over Zoom. You can ask them to take selfies or make recordings with their phone and ask for permission to use photos that they've even posted on social media. Your team should also make videos about what they're looking forward to at the conference so that the community can see a familiar face when they meet you at the conference. Programming is so important, so be mindful of what is competing for attendance. It's so hard to make choices when they're all good. We do advise parents to split up when needed And we do our best to consider the audience when planning the schedule. So for example, some parents who are not actively caring might not be interested in a doctor panel discussion. So we might put an advocacy session opposite that track to attract those parents to that talk. And sometimes less is more. You know, we have attendees who aren't interested in gathering in any of those topics and they might gather together in public areas to visit with each other and that's okay. Accommodate your virtual attendees too. Uh, We were able to monitor the Q&A sessions through the app that we invested in so that attendees could have their questions answered after they watched um, the presentation. Additionally, I know there were parents in the live audience who were also using the app to submit questions because they didn't wanna stand up and use the microphone and it worked just as well. I love our Saturday night banquet. It's a time of celebrating being together and lightening the mood after what can be a heavy couple days. We have food, dancing, photo booths, and a parade of the children who are affected with uh, Batten disease as well as their sibs. And it just feels like a wonderful cap to a busy few days. I highly recommend something joyous to include everyone before you leave. It doesn't have to be fancy. I mean, mind your budget, but think about how you could incorporate it into your schedule. Last, don't be afraid to challenge tradition and think outside the box. I mean, science changes all the time. So, so soaking your programming, your schedule, and your outings. Ask why. Listen to the comments you receive in your post-conference survey. And by the way, if you aren't surveying the attendees, start now. Encourage them with every tool that you have to respond to the survey. If you have a resounding theme from it, address the community immediately. I find that a lot of our complaints stem from just a lack of understanding, so we always have the opportunity to improve our communication. Use the survey to improve. We value our community's voice, and when they see that we have incorporated their suggestions and addressed their complaints, it builds greater trust and belief in our community and our team, and it makes them want to come back the next year. I'm happy to talk with any of your listeners about our experience, as well as any specific questions and suggestions that they might have for us. You can find all of my contact information on our website, bdsrafoundation.org, under the about section. I'm Amy Fenton Parker, and I'm a baton advocate for a cure.
1: Here's a story from Kara Kilroy from JDVS. Hi, my name is Kara Kilroy, and I am the president and co-founder of the Jansen Debris Syndrome Foundation. We have the exciting opportunity to host our first Family and Medical Professionals Conference this past July, 2023, and wanted to share some of the lessons learned, do's and don'ts from this exciting experience that we were able to plan and host for our JDBS families. First and foremost, just coming together as a community for the first time since the founding of the JDBS Foundation was incredibly memorable and special. And in the planning process, we were very very aware of how emotional and overwhelming it might feel for families. And something that we did and that I think worked really well was making space for families to connect and share and sort of provide an emotional space for them to be vulnerable about what it means to come together and to share this journey and to talk about the amazing things that we have learned as caregivers on this journey and also the hard things, the things that make it difficult to be a caregiver of a child with a rare genetic condition. So one of the big do's is make space for big emotions and make it open and accessible for families to express their emotions. In terms of logistics, some things that came up for us that were um harder to navigate or made it a little bit challenging was sort of managing our volunteers and helping coordinate volunteer where they need volunteers where they needed to be, where they needed to show up, the expectations. So we, we do recommend meeting with volunteers well in advance of the event. We had volunteer meetings sort of like a couple days before on site. And I think as a foundation, we realized, you know, we want to set expectations up front, really communicate to our volunteers the plan for the weekend and ask um, them to sort of specify where their skills are, their strengths are and what types of activities they would like to be involved in. Um, So definitely meeting with volunteers ahead of time would, um, I think, have saved us a lot of sort of just challenge of coordination in the moment. Other logistics, um, we had a really solid AV team and a summit planning committee member who just was a force to manage all of the AV requirements and pivot last minute as needed. And it was so valuable. So I think spending money on AV and recording and making sure you have the right mics and the right setup so that you can get your presentations both out to families in person, but also virtually, is was inc- you know incredibly important to us. We did not have the money to do a hybrid conference where people could join real time, but we did invest in high quality recordings and were able to push those out to our families soon, right soon after the conference, so that they had all of the um, really valuable materials that we've had um, in regards to presentations. So high quality AV. Audiovisual stuff is just really, really something we we felt very fortunate to be able to invest in. Some things that we I would say a, a don'ts or something to to pivot away from is expecting perfection and going in with this like rigid approach to like this is how it's going to go. And if it doesn't go this way, it isn't successful. Just remembering that families are coming together. To build community, to meet each other, to, to find support, to find um, a sense of belonging. And, you know, we often throughout the whole course of our weekend had to roll with it. That was like a theme that came up um, throughout our whole weekend was up, oh, we're going to roll with it. You know, and one of our medical professionals was sitting on the tarmac, unable to make it to our location. We had to pivot and do a Zoom presentation with him um, the next morning and we had to roll with it. So finding ways to come to peace with being flexible and rolling with whatever happens and managing it in the moment in a way where the vibe in the um, community that you're bringing together doesn't feel like anything's um, gone wrong. It's just, we're just rolling with it. Um, was something that was both challenging to attain but I think once we were able to establish that as like a, a an approach or a mindset we were taking, the more um, we were able to just enjoy all of the things that were going quite well. Something that we learned is with the ability to roll with it came this ability to both pause and really take in the experience. Anytime you're planning a big event, I think there is this Experience of those who are planning as like not really being able to be in it because you're so focused on the planning. And I think that myself and the other um summit planning committee members and board members really were able to just pause and be in it and enjoy the product of all of our hard work. And so finding moments to sit with the families that are that traveled to be there, take in and learn from them share with them your experiences. You know, it, it, I think it's so valuable to both the planners and the attendees to feel like we can come together. And so really pausing and then reflecting on, you know, the why, why are we here? Why are we doing this? So that as planners of these events, we can also participate and enjoy the product of what it means to bring this rare, small, beautiful community together. Finally, I would say something that was challenging that we had to sort of navigate was we provided child care for um, the children. So both our individuals with JDBS, as well as their siblings and other children within the family. And we hired a child care agency to come into the facility that we were hosting our event and they worked really, really well. But we noticed that we sort of had a one-size-fits-all approach to child care, so a child care room with different activities for a variety of different ages. And with our population and with the number of individuals who are participating in our child care options, the one-size-fits-all was not appropriate. So we need to... Pivot next time we host in two years, we host our, our second um, family and medical professional summit. We're going to have to figure out a way to have a variety of different childcare, or we're going to have to meet different needs. So, whether it's developmental level or different rooms, having a quiet sensory room and then a, a playroom. But just, you know, that was something that was a little bit stressful for us as we brought our families together to identify, you know, the needs of the different children who are in attendance, so that their parents and their caregivers could get the most out of their participation in the summit. But overall, it was, we had wonderful feedback about our first event. Um, we are excited to do this again. And we've taken so many, you know, lessons away from this experience. And Feel like, you know, we are armed with wonderful information to plan another successful conference. Big takeaways are be flexible. Don't expect perfection. Take it all in when you can and get a solid support team behind you. So your summit planning committee members get a collaborative working relationship so that you can all communicate effectively and work together to plan well in advance of your are So Good luck and certainly use the JDBS Foundation as a resource for, um, you know, learning from us. Please reach out to us. We're happy to share any of our experiences because we have gotten to where we are through connecting with other foundations and asking them a million questions about what did you do for this or how did this work out? And I feel like that is just incredibly valuable. Um, And we are so appreciative of those organizations that helped us along our path. And we want to do the same for other organizations. So again, thank you for sharing these
5: opportunities and good luck. Here's a story from Ashley Point from KDVS. Hi, my name is Ashley Point, and I'm the president of the koulin de Syndrome Foundation. Effie asked me to give some tips about hosting a rare disease gathering as a patient advocacy organization. Our foundation started hosting backyard barbecues with a few families in 2009 and just held our 400-person patient advocacy summit in July 2023. We also held our first scientific summit with over 20 experts. It's amazing to see how far we have come. A few tips. First, recruit amazing volunteers. Select a core group of people. I would say 5-15 to to be the main leaders of the gathering, and if possible, ask one or two of those people to chair the entire event. You will want someone who sees the overall picture and incorporate all of the ideas. Another idea is to find a host family. This is a family that lives in the area where you are holding your meeting. They can tell you the fun activities that are available, recruit local volunteers, possibly donors, and be the shipping destination. Second, work with an event site company. We worked with meeting and incentives worldwide. We did not pay a dollar to them. They are paid after the event by the hotel. After we selected our target city, they helped narrow down the possible hotels that had the size and staff to handle our group. They set up site visits with each hotel. It was great to talk with the staff, try the food, and see the facility. After this site visit, we chose two hotels, and meetings and incentives worldwide began the negotiations. They were able to read the contracts, understand our needs, and get us the best rates, space, and catering prices. Third, fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. It will take more money than you budget. Wonderful ideas will come up and you will want to incorporate them into your event. You can accept corporate money, personal money, and even grants. Look everywhere for money. Does your community use a certain medication? Ask that manufacturer for a grant. Most applications can be found online. Does your company use a particular device? Go to that company's website and see if they offer sponsorships. It never hurts to ask. The worst they can say is no, and you did not lose anything. And maybe next time, they will say yes. Ask your community to sponsor a researcher's flight or hotel room. Maybe a community member owns a small business, and they're looking for a way to contribute. Ask, ask, ask. You never know where the money will come from. Lots of little donations add up to a big budget. Speaking of money, set a budget early, but be flexible. Decide if you will charge your families. We decided to charge a different price for adults versus kids, but we never charged the individual with the rare disease. The small registration fee paid for hotel and food. We were able to find enough donors to cover the travel and hotel rooms of our speakers. Set a rough agenda early and decide what is important to your community. Do your families want to hear about research? Do they want to participate in research? How much time will you spend on caregiving topics? Do your families need information on early intervention programs, IEPs, transitioning to adulthood, financial planning or trusts? Will you allow time for sibling support groups, grandparent support? Be sure to allow time for families to naturally gather. Families liked planned activities, but also enjoy hanging out in the lobby or the pool. Maybe they want to go bowling. What about a bingo night? Be sure to add breaks throughout the event. Families love to learn from one another and to socialize. Ask your speakers to volunteer their time and host one-on-one meetings with individual families. This is a great opportunity for families to learn from the speaker without chasing them down while the speaker is trying to eat lunch. Charge a small ticket price for each meeting. The speakers love ta- talking to families and answering specific questions, and the families love getting information specifically for their loved one. Consider providing childcare. We hired a company that does corporate childcare events and was able to handle our medically complex kids that made childcare fun. They had themes and broke the kids up by ages. This allowed parents to focus on speakers and the kids to focus on fun. As always, be inclusive and reach out to different members of your community to find out what is important to them. Be sure to have ramps, not just stairs, to your stage. Think about G-tube-fed individuals and how to incorporate their needs. Are the hotel rooms big enough for all of the equipment that comes with a medically complex child and family? These are all questions to consider. In the end, hold the conference. It will not be perfect, but your community will love it. They will love to feel, quote, normal and understood. The researchers will enjoy meeting the families that they are working so hard for, and families will find commonalities and connections that will last a lifetime. These are my tips, but please reach out if we can be of any help. Together, we are stronger. My email address is ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at kdvsfoundation.org. Thanks to Effie for letting me share our top tips for a wonderful meeting. Happy connecting. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast.
0: If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people. And please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute,
3: Mm <laughs> he <laughs>